Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Ve'ahavta et Adonai Elohecha, Ve'chol Levavecha, Uvechol Nefshecha, Uvechol Meodecha, Ve'ahavta Lareacha Kamocha. Amen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. These are the very words of God. Please be seated for my words. Turn to Luke chapter 5. Today we're going to be studying one of my most dear stories because this was one of those stories that kind of blew me away. I thought I had read it my whole life and understood it. And then when I was made to put on my Hebrew glasses, um, I really understood it. Verse 17. There's a parallel to this story in Mark chapter 2. This is the story of the healing of the paralytic. On one of those days, as he was teaching... Pharisees and teachers of the law. Who are these teachers of the law? Not Sadducees. What are they called? Scribes. Scribes. Scribes are also Torah teachers, teachers of the law. So the Pharisees and some of the scribes or teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. In Hebrew, you say Yerushalayim. There were kind of the snobby, the upper echelon of the Torah teachers. These guys were the Yale and the Harvard and the Princeton of the Torah teachers. Even they were there listening. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst. That means in the middle before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question saying, who is this? who speaks blasphemies. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, Pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them all, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home, blessing God. And amazement seized all of them. And they blessed God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Now the blessing probably sounded something like this. Baruch ata Adonai Eloheinu melecha olam. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, for letting us see extraordinary things today. That's what they would say when they would see a miracle. So this is what it means to praise God or bless God. You bless God, remember, for everything. All right. 
These are black and white words on a page and it's kind of, yeah, it's an interesting story, but we've got to pull out, we got to make it 3D. You have to imagine Jesus is what I think probably Peter's home. Jesus doesn't have his own home in, in Galilee, right? He's from Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, house of bread, right? Bakeryville, uh, moved to Branchtown, right? And now he's in the Galilee. And I think he's in Peter's house. There's good reasons to think that. A lot of archaeological uh, finds to think they have Peter's house, and there's good reasons to think that. But the interesting thing is, it sounds like this paralyzed guy was laying on a bed. And first of all, our Eastern, our Eastern, our Western modern brains think like a mattress and box spring or what, you know, right? More like a stretcher, but even that, it's not what he was on. So these guys come to this house because they hear Jesus is, he's at home. He's preaching, he's, he's teaching, he's healing. I know this Jesus can heal. We've seen him heal before. So they bring their friend, and, and, and it might be a brother, it might be a cousin, a relative, most likely. But they bring him. There's not only no way to get in. There are six people at every window, every door. Excuse me. And they're like, forget it. Excuse me, we're trying to get in. Get out of here. We, we got here first. You know what I mean? Like, we want to hear this guy. We want to see what he does. I don't care if you got your friend. Don't use your handicapped friend as kind of a trump card. It's not going to work. So they're like, okay, what would you do? I'd probably be like, sorry, Phil, it's not going to work tonight. Oop. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't really throw him out, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not going to work. Sorry. They say, okay, you know what? Um, let's go up on the roof. We'll just make a hole in the roof. Now that's about as easy in the first century as it would be to make a hole in your roof in the 21st century. What would you need? Whole cans, just <laughs> right? Like, no, you got to have saws, hammers, axes, something to smash through because these aren't straw roofs. Did you notice the word in the text? They lowered him through the tiles. What are tiles made out of? Ceramic. What's ceramic? It's it's glass, actually, but it's like stone. It's as hard as stone. So I've seen some of these roofs. They're flat roofs, and they've got a sub, sub base, right? Then they take rocks and mortar, cement, concrete as it were, and they roll it flat. And then they waterproof it, and that can be done with various other materials. So you've got a substructure, a concrete or mortar, plaster, and then you've got a top level that's the waterproofing, just like we have today. So these guys, please don't think they had like an axe in their pocket and had like a power saw on their belt. They're like, eh, Phil, I'm sorry, but we're going we're gonna to try to take you up on the roof. And Phil's maybe being like, I don't think that's such a good idea. You know, like, what are you going to do? Just, you know, and so I'm not trying to make fun of handicapped people, but you got to imagine he's kind of laying there just sort of paralyzed, right? Since he's a paralytic. And so they're like, Hey, stay here. Don't go anywhere. Ding. Uh, we got to go get some tools. And Phil's like, okay, just go. So they go and they get saws. They get hammers. They get um, spikes. To, 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 and they're, <laughs> they get up on the roof. And you got to imagine the people inside. 
And Jesus is like, now those that hear my words and do them, they're like a wise man that built his house, I don't know, on the, on the rock, up on the... Um, and the one who doesn't hear my words is like a foolish man. And all of a sudden a piece of plaster goes, bam, and it hits like Jim right on the top of the head who's right in the front row listening to Jesus. And I got to think, Jesus is like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And here's Peter. Stop, what are you doing? He runs out, he can't get outside. There's too many people blocking. Quit it, why are you doing this, right? Boom, pieces are coming down, pieces are coming down. They've got to break through the ceiling. And we don't actually imagine that. We just think Jesus is preaching and teaching and everybody's like, oh, oh, look, a hole. Like, what do you think is coming down if they make a hole big enough to put a whole person down? So can you imagine pieces of the roof smashing and breaking on people's heads? And people are like, what the heck? And they're get out of the way. And so they try to make enough room. Plaster is hitting wood, thatch, straw, some tar. Everything is just coming down. And Peter's like, stop. And they're like, yeah, sorry, Peter. We got to help our friend out. And I think Jesus is just marveling. I think he's like, this is amazing. Now he's just a guy. He's a human. He doesn't know what's going to happen. God hasn't given it to him. And so he's watching and he's thinking, this is incredible. This is incredible. And Peter's like, this is not incredible. This is expensive. And Jesus says, just, it'll be okay. So finally you see the four heads poke through. Hey, Jesus, <laughs> we're going to lower our friend down now. I want to see if you can heal him. So I think he's in a sack, honestly. He's, he's on like a blanket because we, I, there's even pictures of Jesus being lowered in a bed, like a six foot by three foot bed. Do you know how big a hole that would have to be? I mean, at least seven foot by four foot, right? It would take them the better part of two days to get through that much of the roof. I think they opened up a hole about, a foot and a half, two foot by two foot. They put Phil in and they, just like a stork, kind of pull up the four corners. Because could you imagine trying to lower a stretcher level so that poor Phil doesn't just slide off and, well, it was worth a shot, Phil. Can't hang on to anything, right? He's going to slide off if it's not perfectly even. I'm not trying to be crass, but it's true. Their friend's going to fall off if one guy's corner is not right. But in a bag, tie it, just have one guy just, you know, and, and I think Jesus opens the thing and here's this guy sitting there. He's like, hey, and Jesus is like, how are you? Wow, I made it. Thanks for not dropping me, guys. And it says, Jesus, when he saw their faith, can you see voices? Well, we know now we can if they're sparks coming from a fire, right? Can you see faith? Yeah, and that's a clue as to what faith really is. Faith isn't some intellectual, I believe that that is possible. What good faith I have. Faith is something you can see. It ought to be something you can see. Faith is an action. It's actually your belief in action. That's my faith. I believe I can jump 12 feet in the air. Great. Do you have any faith? No. But I can sure believe it. 
The guy that has faith says, yes, I believe I can jump 12 feet in the air and watch. And he does it. That's the guy that's showing his faith. So Jesus saw their faith. They believed Jesus not only could, but he would heal them. And they were so committed to getting their friend before Jesus, they were willing to bust a hole in Peter's roof, okay? And I think Jesus thought that is some chutzpah right there. That is some chutzpah. These guys aren't giving up. Oh, can't get in the door. Oh, can't get in the window. I know, I'll just break a hole in the roof. That's some pretty awesome friends. All right, so that's the story. In Luke 5, Mark 2, goes something like this. Paralytic is lowered into the house. Jesus pronounces forgiveness upon him. The Pharisees question the validity of Jesus' words to the invalid that his, quote, sins are forgiven. And they question this, guys, on the ground that only God is able to pronounce a person forgiven from sins that are committed against God. Now, why would everybody in the room think that the paralytic had committed sins against God? That so much so that Jesus needs to say the first thing, hey, your sins are forgiven. Exactly. In fact, the, the disciples asked Jesus about a man that, that was born blind. They say, Rabbi, uh, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind, which is kind of funny. If he was born blind, when would he have had to sin? Stop it. You know, quit, quit punching around down there in the womb. Yeah, shut up. Like, what's he going to do? How are you going to sin in the womb? So who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So yes, you're exactly right, Reed. People believed that if you had a handicap in those days, that was God's punishment. You had sinned or God knew you would do something sinful and he's punishing you. He's, he's stopping you. He's giving you the consequences. I think that's what everybody thought in the room. Hey, this guy's paralyzed. And, and they may have known him to be a healthy, perfectly normal individual three years ago. And then he fell off a roof, broke his back, Neck down, totally paralyzed, quadriplegic. I don't know. But the Bible invites us to speculate and that there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, so if I commit a sin against God, only God or God's man can forgive that sin. Can you imagine if Dawson said, you know what, God? You know, he just gives him sort of the... To heck with you, I'm done. And he insults him and he calls him a name, a bad word. And I say, that's okay, Dawson, God forgives you. Could you imagine the pretentious nature that I would have to have to say, oh, God forgives you. God might smack me down from heaven. Who are you to say that I forgive? I don't forgive him. Or could you imagine Logan spits right in Cohen's face, just quick, quick, poo, hawks up a big flobber globber right into your face. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to get you. And uh, JT goes, nah, it's cool. Uh, uh, Cohen forgives you. <laughs> Cohen would be like, who are you? I, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have any right to tell her that I, I'll tell her if I forgive her or not. Do you know what I mean? It makes sense. If, if I commit a sin against an individual, yes, I can grant that individual or they can grant me forgiveness, but not on behalf of a third party. Okay. So Jesus asks, asks I just said asks, Jesus asks them, which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Or to say to him, 
rise, take up your bed and go home. Now the answer to that question is obvious, but do you know which one is easier? Okay. Get up, take your mat and go home. You think that's easier than your sins are forgiven? What do you think, Dawson? Which one's easier? Sins are forgiven, okay. Okay, you think that's easier? All right. It's a trick question. Did you know this? It's a trick question. Neither one is easier because both are impossible, by the way. Only God has the power to do a miracle and only God has the authority to forgive sins committed against him. And Jesus knows it. And so do all the Pharisees and so do all the Torah teachers. Both are impossible. We're going to talk about when we do Joshua's long day, the day the sun stood still next week. Or you guys already did that one. You remember in that one where we said Jesus and Joshua and Moses, none of them did a miracle one day in their life. If Jesus does a miracle, one miracle as a human, he invalidates, he completely destroys stories like this in, in Mark 2 and Luke 5. If Jesus is the source of his miracles, it completely invalidates this story. And as we go through this story, you'll see why. So Jesus says, and this is one point where that would make sense. Jesus says to everybody that's questioning in their hearts, hey, which is easier? For me to tell this guy he's forgiven or for me to tell this guy to get up and, and take his mat and go home? And they're all going, neither one, you schmuck. You can't do either one, so why are you saying it? And Jesus says, exactly. I know that. Both choices require divine intervention. Everybody knows that Jesus can't forgive sins on behalf of God. Everybody knows that Jesus can't heal the man by himself. That would have to be a God thing. So, Jesus, even in spite of that, says to the guy, first thing he does when he unwraps the package, oh, hey, what's your name? I'm Phil. Hey, Phil, your sins are forgiven. So Jesus says your sins are forgiven. Now that's going to require some proof. That's going to need some evidence. Let me ask you, what's the only evidence that could satisfy the impossible claim that God has forgiven this paralyzed man's sins and that Jesus is authorized to say so? What, what would Jesus need? A miracle, exactly. And this is why from the son's story, Jesus can't do miracles whenever he wants. He's got to rely on heaven in order to validate his new teaching. He's just given a new teaching. Hey, buddy, I got the, I got the authority to forgive your sins. And everybody goes, wait a minute, what are you? No, you are crazy. You're out of your mind. What are you doing? And Jesus goes, hang on. I know that's a pretty crazy wild claim because no one's ever claimed to do that before. But I'm telling you, I got it. I got the authority from God. He gave me his permission. And they're like, okay, step up. Where's your proof? And Jesus says, you need proof? I know you need proof. Here's my proof. Boom. Okay? If Jesus can call for a miracle, go ahead. 
and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. <gasps> Almost like he didn't have that power unless the Lord was with him. <laughs> I love when the text actually explains things clearly. Guys, if God gives Jesus a miracle right now, that would be equivalent of God speaking from heaven and saying, yep, he's right. He has my authority to forgive sins. Apart from the Torah, a miracle is the only thing that would confirm or deny the claims of a human being, right? Let's say I, Mark Dean, I say, Jesus is coming back next Friday, 5.37 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. First of all, you'd say, prove it. And I say, it is written right here in Luke's. I could show you in the Bible and then you'd be like, oh, I never saw that before. Okay, cool. Right? Could you imagine? Oh, yeah. If I showed you a verse in the Bible, would I need a miracle? No. If it's not in the Bible and I give you a new teaching, do I need a miracle? Oh, yeah. Or, or you won't believe me. You shouldn't believe me. So, Jesus is doing the same thing. Is this, is this in the Torah anywhere where a human being, just an average Joe, can forgive sins? Committed against God? That's not anywhere in the entire Bible. So Jesus goes, mm, I'm going to need a miracle. <laughs> okay? So Jesus says, rise, take up your mat. And to everyone's utter astonishment, because I don't think they thought a miracle would come. The man gets up and walks out. Everyone's blown away. A blessing is said by the Pharisees and everyone else that God has just done something that no one could have imagined. So... Someone could not dream of changing a 2,000-year-old statute that was written in the Torah without proof. But what was that statute? This is written in Leviticus 4, 27 through 31. I'm just going to read it. You listen and try to absorb where does God say, nobody can forgive sins committed against me except me. And my special guy. Okay, listen. If any one of the common people sins unintentionally in doing any one of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done, and he realizes his guilt or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring for his offering a goat, female, without blemish, for his sin which he's committed. He shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering in the place of burnt offering. And the priest, excuse me, shall take some of its blood with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering and pour out all the rest of its blood at the base of the altar. And all of its fat he shall remove as the fat is removed from the peace offerings. And the priest shall burn it on the altar for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be forgiven." Who forgives sins? The priest can. By performing the stuff, the duties that God said to. The priest can do and say on behalf of God, because God doesn't have teeth, God doesn't have lips, God doesn't have vocal cords, God doesn't have a throat like we do. So God's not going to say, <clears throat> uh, good job, Kyle, your, your sins are forgiven. Good job on the female goat there. God's not going to do that from heaven. But God did give the authority for the priest to say, JT, your sins are forgiven. 
the Lord accepts your sacrifice, right? Yeah, the Catholics do that, exactly. Because we kind of, as humans, we need to hear that. All right, did you see it? Not you, because you remember the class. Do you see the picture that Jesus gave them? I'm assuming from your utter silence that you don't. Cool. Let me ask you, you, where is the only place on planet earth that sins that I've committed against God could be forgiven? At the altar. Where is the altar? At the temple, right there. You see it? Where's the temple? Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. Ooh. And according to the text, who is the only person on earth, literally, with the authority to forgive sins? Priests. Yeah, the priests. The, on earth. The only person on earth that can forgive sins? Where? At the temple. Where's the temple? Good. That's twice we've said it now. Yet here we have Jesus forgiving this guy's sins. Where's Jesus? Where's Peter's house? Where's the Galilee in regards to the temple? It's 120 miles north of the temple. It's 120 miles away from Jerusalem. So there's two pictures here. Jesus gives them two pictures. He never says it, but by saying your sins are forgiven, and then calling down a miracle from heaven, and the miracle comes, he just gave everybody two pictures that blew their minds. What's the first one? I'm the temple. Guys, I cannot stress to you enough how radical and absolutely overwhelmingly unbelievable this picture becomes to everybody. The temple has stood for thousands of years. The Torah was written long before Jesus ever came in the flesh. Those statutes cannot be changed. People have been going and bringing sacrifices to God to get forgiveness for thousands of years. And Jesus, in one moment, in one guy's living room, with one guy that he unwrapped out of a bag, said in perfect Hebrew fashion, in a picture, I am the temple. And I don't think everybody got that fully in that very second. But he also gave him another picture. I am the priest. Wait a minute. Where, what tribe is Jesus from? What's the name of the tribe? Judah. Judah. Where do the Levites come from? From the tribe of Levi, right? Yes. Is Jesus a Levite? Can he be a priest? He's a Judahite. He cannot be a priest. And everybody knows it. So do you see the second picture? I'm a new kind of priest. I'm higher than the Levitical priest. I got more authority than they do. And everyone is absolutely blown away. Could you imagine if Dawson just went... Mr. Dean, I need to use the restroom. Can I go? And I say, sure. And he levitates in front of us and then dematerializes right through the door and then rematerializes out in the hall and goes, what would you all do besides clean out your shorts? Do you know what I mean? We'd all go, oh my gosh, what? did you see that? Like we'd go crazy, right? 
Wouldn't you, Ben? Or would you be like, oh yeah, it's normal. Dawson always does that. He always floats, levitates, and passes through walls. Wouldn't you kind of go, you might faint. You might get a little, I don't know. You might start <laughs> like going crazy. Yeah. Nothing short of that happened in this moment. Okay, I'm not going to read the, the Melchizedek stuff. In Hebrews 7, 14 through 22, the Hebrew writer goes into great detail about how Jesus actually is a priest, not according to Levi, Levi, but a priest, a priest according to Melchizedek. Melchizedek, he says, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So, what Jesus said to the paralytic would be unthinkable without serious evidence. God gives him a miracle in the exact moment that he needs it. And the result is that the Pharisees are like, dude, no way. This is crazy. And they bless God for witnessing such a thing. Now, something we don't read usually because our chapter headings in our Bibles screw us up and we go, oh, that was a great story. The healing of the paralytic. Cool. Close my Bible next day, next week, next time. I'm going to read and I'm going to, where did I leave off from paralytic? Okay, here it goes. Jesus calls Levi. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named, we say Levi, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes were there. Nobody's fallen out of their chair. We don't get. Wait, what just happened? Are they not allowed to eat with the tax collectors? They wouldn't be caught dead within a hundred miles of a tax collector, especially a Pharisee from Jerusalem. Are you kidding me? That would be like Cletus and the slack-jawed yokel gang getting together for a roadkill surprise meal and the esteemed professors from Cambridge and Princeton and Yale are all invited to go hang out with the country bumpkins. They're like, are you kidding me? But somehow, for some reason, everyone is there. This should blow us away. Be like, wait a minute, that, that's not even possible, Mr. D. I know, I know. Look at the time frame. Take out the chapter heading that says, Jesus calls Levi. Throw it away, scratch it out, and read the story as it's written. 